Glad to have you here as we continue on with our time together, as we make our way through our series, Making Change. Also appreciate those listening online and watching online. Uh, you can find the message listening guide at our website along with the program, and uh, that's up on the screen, so you can copy that down if you want to follow along that way. Again, it's great to have you here as we've been looking at making change. We've looked at less is more. We've looked at stress is bad. And last week, we started looking at giving is good, and giving is so good that we figured we needed to do two Sundays on it. So that's why we're back to it. Giving is good. Now, most of us, one time or other in our life, heard our dad say, um, in a sense, say, this, this, this is for your good. Dave, what I want you to do, it is for your good. Usually it was David, because I was in trouble. David, this is for your good. And sometimes we even heard what? This hurts me more than it hurts you when we're getting punished, right? And we'd kind of like, yo, yeah, right. I don't know if I uh, buy into that at all. But for me, I heard this is for your good all the time whenever it involved education, whenever it involved school. And uh, my father was a uh, high school language arts department head, so he was into school. Fortunately, he went, he taught in a different school system. That would have been the death of me if he could have compared live with uh, teachers, uh, but that wasn't the case. And so for me, anything education. And so when it came to one of the areas that I would hear, this is for your good, it was in learning Spanish. And in the school system I was in, you could start taking Spanish in seventh grade. So poor Mrs. Bowen had me in Spanish in seventh grade, and I probably used much more energy trying to get out of doing Spanish work than doing Spanish work. Maybe I would have been a little more successful. But then I took it in eighth grade, and then in my freshman year in high school, I was given a reprieve because I was told you only needed one year of a foreign language to get into college. So I took my freshman year off and went back into it my sophomore year and uh, found myself replace, uh, re repeating it my uh, sophomore year, and finally I was out of it. I can remember one time in Spanish uh, class, uh, there was a quiz, a pop quiz. It was true and false. It was just 10 questions, and what I remember the most about it was I got a complete zero. And I tried to convince the teacher that I misunderstood, and I thought all I thought true was false and false was false. And she said, "You know, uh, in Spanish, false if it's uh, if it's feminine is falsa, and if it's masculine is falso." So I don't think you confuse those words. And so um, again, I did not do well in Spanish. I can remember my dad leaning over me, trying to get me to conjugate verbs. I think that's what it's called. And I could just feel the tension in the air. I know he wanted to hit me. He wanted to do me physical harm. He was just like, and I just wasn't getting it. Uh, personally, I got the opportunity to experience that as I've tried to teach him how to use his iPad. Same feeling, different subject. But anyway, that whole idea of this kind of a thing where you, uh, this is for your good. And that is true when it comes to our spiritual walk with God. There are lots of areas that at first we don't really buy into, and God says, this is for your spiritual good. This is for your good. 
And one of those areas, as we started last week, is talking about generosity. And generosity is not just something we want from you, it is something God wants for you. Something takes place in our hearts as a Christ follower when we learn the ways of generosity. It's not this idea of that we're forced in the ways of generosity, that it's just our duty and we have to do it, but there's something that happens in our hearts, in our spirits, when you and I learn to be generous and it becomes a lifestyle. And we started talking last week about the journey, the effect of generosity, and the growth of generosity. Uh, last week, our bottom line, and this isn't in your message guide, but last week is when we are generous with our lives, God is generous in our lives. And I want to be very clear, that doesn't mean we give to get. It means that something happens in our life when we live a generous lifestyle. It seems that God is uh, more free to work in our life, to bless in our life, and, and it comes up in all kinds of different ways. But we need to learn that lesson of generosity. Uh, one of my favorite verses, and you've heard me uh, share it a number of times when it comes to this subject, is in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so as we're talking about this subject, it isn't really what we as a leadership team want to get from you by filling the offerings up. It's really what we want to see God do in and through you. And I say that with all sincerity, with all honesty, when you and I become generous, when it's our way of living, it seems like it really opens up the gates of heaven to whatever's going on in our life. When we live with open hands instead of closed hands, we also live under a open heaven. And over and over again, you can hear stories of when people actually lived a generous life, it seems that good things come into their life. It may not be in the same area, so we're talking about finances, so if you're generous with the finances, that doesn't automatically mean then heaven opens up and there's more financial blessing in your life. That can happen. Sometimes it happens in other ways, sometimes completely different uh, uh, scenarios. Sometimes it's relationally, sometimes it's the way things fall into your life, but this idea that when you and I are generous, God blesses our life. Now, one of the things we need to really make sure when we're talking about generosity is that we realize that a generous life is not a guilt-driven life. It's not that we do it out of guilt. It's not that we feel compelled. It's not that we go, wow, if I don't give, then something bad is going to happen in our lives. That actually is superstition. And as a Christ follower, you're going to stay away from anything that's superstition. So it's not like this magic thing, if I'm good generosity, then, you know, I kind of get, you know, scratch my, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. This is not what's going on. There's something that happens in our hearts, again, when we have open hands rather than closed hands. So it's not to be a guilt-driven kind of giving. Yes, uh, sometimes there may be conviction, but conviction comes from the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's not arm-twisting. Uh, and yes, that can be a part of it. But I, I want to really say, again, conviction is a gift from God. The fact that we have conviction is really a gift from God. 
because it helps us to see life through God's eyes. It helps us to make adjustments. It actually is a positive thing. When you and I face conviction, that means in a sense we can wake up the next day with fresh eyes, with looking at new opportunities, and we can jump into life living just a little differently or living a lot differently. So conviction actually is a gift. But our giving isn't to be, or our generosity isn't to be um, this idea of guilt-driven. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the people, uh, the Christ followers at Corinth, says this, Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You should not give, give if it makes you unhappy or if you feel forced to give. God loves those who are happy to give. So it's not about being forced, it's not about being convinced, it's not about being guilted into giving, it is about freely giving. It's about giving because you love to give, or giving because you're testing the waters, you're saying, I'm going to go out on a step of faith, I feel like it's not that Dave spoke about giving, so I'm feeling guilty about it, but I'm feeling convicted. The Holy Spirit's doing something in my heart, so I'm going to give, and I'm excited to see. I'm a little fearful, but I'm a little excited to see what is going to happen. But it's not a giving that's under compulsion. It's not a giving that because you've been beat down. It's a giving that is not guilt-driven. A number of years ago, uh, I was asked to fill in to help out with a wedding, and needed to do the wedding. Somebody who was double booked couldn't do two weddings at the same time. And so uh, it was a very swanky wedding. It was on the coast of Maine uh, in Cape Elizabeth. And this fancy inn was so fancy, they didn't even have air conditioners. That was like a highlight. It is so beautiful at our area because of the fresh sea air. We don't even have air conditioners. I'm like, I would never go there personally, but that's, that was one of their selling points, and so it was extremely expensive, and I was really doing this couple a favor and doing this other pastor a favor. And uh, as uh, we wrapped up the rehearsal, uh, he came to give me a little thank you. Often uh, people do that when I do a wedding or such, and he's giving me a little thank you, but he, he, he really wasn't into doing this. He was giving out of compulsion, I don't even think he felt guilty about it, but he just felt forced into it. And I can remember him making almost a little bit of scene in the rehearsal dinner time. He actually stood up to me, and there were people kind of sitting around hanging out. And he pulled out a wad of money, and he started giving me tens and counting. And then finally he said, is that enough? And I said, this is, in my mind, I'm going, I just might not show up tomorrow. That will be enough, won't it? But uh, I said, yes, it is. And I kind of slinked away. Uh, He was not into giving. Sometimes you and I, when it comes to God, our giving almost is like that. And God says, thanks, but, but no thanks. He wants us to give out of a joyful heart. He wants us to be happy to give. He doesn't want us to be guilted in. And when we're in that place, we need to ask why. We need to ask what needs to change in our lives. Because obviously, there's a short circuit that's going in our heart. If we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, freely given to us, 
Our joy and our thankfulness and our gratefulness should be overflowing, and a part of that should be seen in our generosity. Uh, really, you and I are no more like Christ than we're when we're in a generous mode when we're giving, because Christ actually gave his life. That's the hallmark of what he did. That's the hallmark of the good news of the gospel. So our generosity is not to be guilt-driven. It's, that's just not what it's supposed to be. Uh, in verse 8, we read, And God can give you more blessings than you need, and you will always have plenty of everything. You'll have enough to give to every good work. We talked a little bit about this last week. A lot of times the reason God has blessed us, given us the ability to be generous, generous is so that we can pass it on to someone else. It's just not for us. It's just not for us to hold on to. It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to enjoy his blessing in our life personally. Uh, we just don't have to be like a conduit with nothing sticking into our own life. But the idea is that when you and I are blessed, it's to give it away, to share it in some form. And we've already talked that doesn't just involve money. It involves time. It involves ability. We should be a generous, generous people. I like what John Ottberg says. Giving was never meant to be a way to pay our debt to God because obviously we can't pay it. Uh, we could never pay for it. It's just too valuable. It's priceless. It has always been a training exercise to cultivate a generous and God-centered heart. So I love generosity in a sense, because it helps cultivate a God-centered heart. I want to look through my world, or through my eyes to the world, with a God-centered heart. And some of that is to be generous. That's, that's the way we look at things. Another idea that goes along with this is generous helps us cultivate awareness of things that really matter and opportunities that make a difference. So we want to have an awareness we want to have an awareness of what is going on around us, see what really matters, what counts, uh, in a sense, for eternity, what counts for the second chapter of life, and then use those opportunities, leverage them in a way that makes not just a difference, but I might even add the word, a lasting difference in another person's life. So, when we're thinking about generosity, how is it to uh, be working in our life? Generosity, or a generous life, is to really be a relationally driven life. That's what's to drive it. Our generosity rises out of a growing relationship with God. We're getting to know God better. We're, we're spending time with Him on a regular basis. I'm going to say a daily basis. Uh, we actually... Carve out 10 minutes, maybe, if you've never done this before. You carve out 10 minutes, and you spend some time. You read a passage. You read a little devotional. You spend some time in prayer, and then you find that that relationship is growing. And as that relationship grows, then your generosity is driven by your relationship with God. That's where a generous life finds its roots, finds its beginning. Uh, passage we've been bouncing in and out of uh, about the rich farmer. At the end, summing up what was going on, Jesus says this, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. A Christ-centered life, a God-centered life is into our relationship with God 
not just into stockpiling all these things. And if you go back on your own time and look at Luke chapter 12, you'll be familiar with this story, and maybe you're not familiar. I challenge you to take a look at it. You'll see what goes on there. And this was a man who was really rich to himself, but not, not rich in his relationship with God. And uh, because of that, uh, he loses, in a sense, everything. Again, verse uh, 9 or verse 7 uh, in different translations says, Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves a hilarious generosity, one that is almost laughter. There's joy tied to your generosity. You should not give if it makes you unhappy or if you feel forced to give. God loves those who are happy to give. So when we think about a generosity, when we think about what drives our generosity, it's our relationship with God, uh, not a really good message on giving and being generous and feeling guilty to do that. No, you want to be convicted. It's your relationship with God. And so then we find, really, a generous life is always in motion. And for us, it needs to always be emotional. We need to be looking through how can I add value to someone else's life? How can I add goodness to someone else's life? How can I contribute to their life? And a part of that is with our finances. We talked a little bit more about that last week regards to church and local church and all of that. Um, but it should always be in motion. We should be looking at ways to um, give our life away. And so you're familiar with this. Anytime I talk about giving, I like to have this little acrostic with the word tithes. And each letter stands for something to cause us to trigger and think about what are we thinking about giving. I know as I review this material, it reminds me uh, why Cindy and I give. Uh, we're at a place in life where our giving can not be guilt-driven, but it can just be automatic. Our giving can be um, hearts not engaged. It just happens. And so it's just sometimes, it's just frankly, just like paying another tax. We're not even thinking about what we're doing. I want our giving, as we saw last week, to be a part of our worship, showing that God is worth everything in our lives. So I want to be a little bit more engaged. So this acrostic, I think, can help us with that. Uh, first of all, our giving should be tasteful, not causing attention to ourselves. It's not about people looking at us. Now, does that mean no one is ever aware of us being generous? Absolutely not. Sometimes your generosity is to be a role model to other people. And you've got to watch your heart on that. Sometimes your heart can be, yes, this is to be a role model. And then all of a sudden switch into this is to show off a little bit. And then it switches back to role model. And sometimes in one situation, my little motivation meter goes all over the place. That's being human. But for the most part, I want to give tastefully, not calling attention to uh, myself, ourself. Now, I know when uh, Cindy and I were uh, in Concord, and we had two services, and the days where you passed the offering plate around, I would give in both services. And one day, Cindy would write two checks, and uh, it was kind of just a hassle. But I, I liked to, part of our deal was that the, the ushers would come down for it, and I'd put a check in, and it wasn't to show off, but it was to model giving. Oh, even the pastor gives. And then one day, it dawned on us, why are we writing two checks? Let's just write one check. So I hate to tell you this, I would put an empty, 
envelope in at the second time. We just wrote one check, and the other one was empty. And it was funny. One time I listened to the money counters. They came in on Monday or Tuesday, and uh, they were counting. They go, yeah, we get, a lot of, we get a lot of envelopes with nothing in it. So I guess there was other people doing that. But, uh, again, I don't, I don't know the pressure to show off. But in our case, it was we were trying to model it and then said, yeah, it's kind of weird to do it twice anyway. So you get what, what I'm saying here. So... We read in uh, Matthew 6, 1, examine your motives to make sure that you're not showing off when you do your good deeds. This covers everything, including our generosity, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose the reward of your heavenly Father. In other words, if you're looking for the reward of other people seeing what you're doing, you'll get it. But it's some kind of gap when we get to the next chapter of life and we're looking to be honored for our faithfulness and there's nothing wrong with having that a part of our lives. Uh, We'll find that some of our acts of goodness and generosity and giving, because it was all about people taking a look at us, uh, will be muted, won't won't have the same significance. So we want to be aware of that. We want to make sure our motives are in the right place. We also read, Father, uh, Father, Father, with pure, pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself, just do it quietly and unobtrusively. This is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. So again, uh, God practiced that with us. It's not about showing up. It's about his love for us, and we need to learn from that also. So we tastefully give. Uh, Also, the idea is that we individually give. It is your responsibility. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's not for somebody else to do it. Oh, they have more resources than I do, so they need to do it, and mine is not a part of the deal. Well, it rings true that wherever you and I find ourselves as a Christ follower, we are to be generous. And there is a place where each one of us our responsibility. Again, back to what Paul has to say, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And what I want to highlight here is just that it is your responsibility. It is all of our responsibility to be generous. And again, as a pastor, I'm more concerned about what it reflects about in your heart than the exterior. And I know someone at least is growing when they are being generous with their life, which includes uh, their giving. So it's more about a growth thing for you than a let's make the budget thing. I want us to be growing. I want us to be growing in our relationship with God, and a part of that is our generosity. So that is so important that it is a part of the way we live. Also, there's the idea of timely, uh, consistent, and regular. Uh, There's this idea that needs to be regular. It doesn't need to be haphazard. We talked about last week about looking at our life. Uh, Cindy and I usually do this towards coming to the new year. Taxes are ending. We're looking at January 1st, and we say, how are we going to give in the coming year? And we set what we're going to do on a regular basis, and for us, that's weekly. We sign up for the withdrawal from our, you know, online giving. That's the way we do it, and so it's regularly, timely, every week. But there's this idea of it just doesn't happen when it happens. It's a consistent kind of idea. In Paul's day, it was each Sunday, each of you should make an offering and put it in safekeeping. Be as generous as you can. 
And uh, in Paul's day, most people were paid by the day. So when they finished their day's work, that's when they got the paycheck. So if they were going to set some money aside for uh, their local church, they would need to put some aside every week. They would have every day they got paid, they'd put some aside. And then when Sunday rolled around, they would look in their little uh, canning jar, whatever they kept it in, and there it would be, and that's what they would do. And again, Paul's saying, be as generous as you can. Uh, be a giving person. So there's the idea of timely. And some of us get paid monthly. Some of, us get, some of you get paid by the job. Uh, some get paid, uh, you know, six months or whatever. But you figure out what is the rhythm of uh, how resources come into your life and then how you're going to give them. Uh, for Cindy and I, we, we do get paid every other week. But we've decided that every week we figured it all out. So every week this is what we do. And it just seems to work that way for us. But that's up to you. But there should be this timely, consistent, regularly giving. Also, I think this is very important. We talked about this a little bit last week when it comes to tithing. It hinges on proportional or percentage giving. Uh, Paul, again, says the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you to earn. And even in that statement, there might be this moment where you have to say, wait a minute, he's helped me earn it? That's been me working so hard. Wait a minute. God has given you the abilities, the skills, the potential to earn the resources you've earned. So anything that comes into your life, if you're a Christ follower, you believe that God has blessed you in that life. So God has enabled you to earn, enabled you to have these resources, enabled you to have abilities, talents, time, all these kinds of things. So as he blesses you, you take a look and say, I want to give percentage or proportionally. And we talked about this last week, that 10% seems to be very scriptural in the Older Testament and into the New Testament, that that's a good place to start. And again, you can go back and listen to the next mess, last week's message where we talk about the journey about how we get there, but actually looking at what am I going to do? And for some of us, it's going to be a little bit of a process. Some of us, uh, we've, we've spent every penny or every penny is already spoken for, and we're going to have to start at a beginning spot and make our way that way. I said last week, some of us, when it comes to, to our cars paid off, and we just automatically, when the car's paid off, go get another one, whether we really, really need it or whether it's necessary, we just do that. Some of us may have to say, I'm not going to jump out and go get another car because I want to be generous, and if I do that, all my pennies are spoken for. Uh, maybe it means uh, scaling back on your cable bill. Heaven forbid. Maybe it means you, you know your internet is not as fast as it used to be, but you start to look at your life. Uh, maybe I can only get uh, a Dunkin' Donuts coffee once a week, not every day. Whatever it takes, you look at this and say, how do I order my life so I can percentage give and then start moving in that direction and starting to move? And it may take six months. It may take a couple years to get there, but you're intentionally looking at how to do that. Also, there's the idea of enthusiastically giving. It's, it's a delight. God wants us to enjoy being generous. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. And there may be a lot of heart work that needs to happen in your life, in my life, to actually delight in giving. 
rather than begrudgingly, quote unquote, paying our offerings or, or however we look at it. But there's going to need to be a place where we grow and we go, I'm grateful and I'm happy and I'm just delighted with the way God's blessed me and I want to pass that on. I want to start with my local church and then sometimes maybe even I give beyond my local church. And, you know, this is this idea that, uh, you know, your tithe, and we saw this in Malachi, goes to the storehouse, which is the local church. And then our giving beyond that is bonus giving. Uh, sometimes we do that. Uh, when we supported a, a child with world vision, it, we didn't take that out of our tithe. We did that on top of our tithe. Um, when our kids would go to snow camp, and when the three kids were going to snow camp, sometimes in the winter it could be it could be you know four hundred and something dollars. We did not go oh take that off our tithe. No, our tithe was one thing, and these other things were other things to to give beyond. So we we do that. Also, there's this idea of sacrificial giving. Now, when it comes to sacrificial giving, I can't tell you when and how. I just know that there ought to be times where we sacrificially giving, where I say no to something in my life so I can give. And that, again, comes out of that growing relationship with God. There are sometimes, well, I'm going to wait on that purchase, or I'm going to actually take some money I was saving for a purchase and put it towards the Lord. I remember the first time I was totally surprised by this. I had a friend. I was still in Bible college. He worked at a, at a Christian camp, and he had, was year-round, but, I mean, he had hardly any money. And these were the days where VCRs were just coming out. Believe it or not, VCRs used to cost six or $700. Now you don't even know what one is. And he was saving for his VCR. This was like a, a year-long quest. He wanted one of these. And then I was totally blown away when another need came up. He took his $400 that he had saved for his VCR and gave it to that need. I don't think it was because he felt guilty. I think it was relationally driven giving. Now, in another case, he didn't need to do that. Again, it comes back to relational driven giving. So your relationship with God's got to be on track. You're going to be online with that to understand this. But there ought to be times where you and I sacrificially give. It should be a part of our yearly experience of giving. Uh, David, uh, when, there was a, when there was this disaster going on, there was this census taken, and I'm not getting into all the story, but he wanted to show appreciation to God that it stopped, and uh, there was this place where he wanted to buy and uh, make it into a, a place to, eventually the temple would be there, but this, this place for an altar, and uh, he said, yeah, I want this piece of land, I want this threshing place, and uh, the owner said, I'll just give it to you. And David said, no, 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 no. I want this to actually be a gift. This is a, if you just give it to me and I give it to God and I haven't like spent any money on it, there's no sacrifice. And he says, I'm not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that are not sacrifices. So sometime in our year, can't tell you if that's one time, five times, there ought to be some sacrificial giving where we say no to ourselves in a legitimate area and we say we're going to hunker together and, and sacrifice and give this gift. 
You see, when you and I are thinking about generosity, again, I want to come back to this idea, our generosity isn't something we begrudgingly give. It needs to be a way of life. And if you really want to think about generosity, if you want to look at all that we've talked about thus far, uh, really, we need to understand that giving up something now for something better later is not actually a sacrifice. It's actually an investment. So when you and I even generosity, or then even when you and I sacrificially give, we are actually making an investment for the next chapter of life. doesn't mean you're going to get a better house in heaven, but it does mean that you're going to, in a sense, be rewarded, and God's going to take great delight in the way you've been faithful. So as I'm giving, I have to remind myself this doesn't necessarily come automatically to me. When I'm giving and I'm being generous and it isn't really that great of a sacrifice or when I'm even sacrificially giving, sometimes I've got to say, wait a minute, why does my heart feel good about this? Wait a minute, I'm giving up something now and this isn't, this isn't just disappearing from my life. Actually, this is an investment for the future. This is going to please God, and when I finally meet him face to face, he's going to give me a well done, thy good and faithful service, and a part of that is going to be the way I have been generous to him. Now, when you and I think about this, so we need to realize that um, what our investment says, our investment says that I am yours to God, Everything I have actually has been given from you, so I am yours, completely yours. It also means that our investment says, I trust you. And it also says, I am thankful. I'm yours, I trust you, and I am thankful. For generosity is not losing something. It's an investment for the future. It's actually for our good as Christ followers that we're generous and that at times that generosity is actually sacrificial. Malachi sums it up nicely. He says, test me in this. This is God speaking. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. I shared a little bit last week. But I could tell you, blessing after blessing after blessing, it wasn't giving living, but it was blessing after blessing where I've had an open heart, open hand, and God in turn has blessed us in ways that uh, Cindy and I couldn't imagine. So this really is for our good. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can uh, celebrate who you are uh, we thank you for your generosity towards us and the giving of your son. And we're thankful that we can be a part of your story and also be a generous people to make a difference in other people's lives by our own generosity. And Father, I ask that you would help us to wrestle with that, help us to be generous, not because someone's twisting our arm, not because we feel guilty, but because we're being led, maybe even conviction, being led to be generous with the way you've blessed us. And we thank you that when we move in that direction, when our generosity is active, uh, you do something in our heart and in our life that just brings goodness to our life out of that relationship. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.